0: Drew, his leadership in our church, his friendship to me, uh, but I'm not sure we're going to have him do the Halloween outreach announcement <laughs> next year. No, he did a good job. He, uh, he did, uh, despite his hatred for it. Um, <clears throat> well, let's continue to worship the Lord. We've sung his praise. We've taken part in his meal. We've prayed to him. And now let's open our ears, open our hearts to his word. We're in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. If you have a Bible and are following along, uh, the New Testament starts about three-quarters of the way through the entire Bible. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. And then it's Matthew, Mark is where we are, Luke, John, Acts. Mark, chapter 4, verses 21 through 34. We titled this series, Thy Kingdom Come, that famous King James phrase from the Lord's Prayer, Thy Kingdom Come, because in these chapters, we are witnessing the life and ministry of Jesus in which he is bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. Jesus is undoing the curse of sin, making it on earth as it is in heaven. He's healing diseases. He's casting out demons. He's teaching truth. That's what we're witnessing in these chapters, the impact of God's kingdom as it comes to earth through Jesus. And I've got a a slide up here to help us catch up uh, leading up to this morning's passage of scripture. Uh, These first two points were our first sermon. We saw sort of this summary paragraph in Mark chapter 3 verses 7 through 12 where Jesus, because of the power of his teaching, because of the power of his miracles, because of just the compelling presence he had, were drawing all sorts of crowds from all over the region. They were crowding around Jesus to be healed by him, to learn from him. Uh, But what we quickly learn is that Jesus isn't yet quite so interested in crowds. Instead, he's interested in calling disciples. And so out of that crowd, Jesus calls disciples not merely to be his fans, but to be his followers, to be devoted to him, to imitate him as his disciples. However, uh, we quickly find out that not everybody is quite so interested in being his disciples. In the immediate following verses, Jesus is instead denied. He's denied by the religious establishment who come up from Jerusalem and they say that Jesus is possessed by a demon. And then he's denied by his own family who say that he is crazy. Um, However, Jesus goes on to teach why this is so. Why is it that some people reject the kingdom? Why is it that some people accept the kingdom? That's what he explains in the immediate following chapter with the parable of the soils that we looked at last week. Not everybody's heart is going to be receptive to Jesus and his message. He mentions four types of soils and three of those four ultimately reject the message of Jesus. The fourth, the good soil, receives it and bears fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. Jesus is going to continue this morning sharing parables for those of us who are now entrusted with spreading this message, with spreading this seed. And he's going to share parables that encourage us to that end. As his disciples, we are spreaders of the message of the kingdom. And he's got some words to encourage us. Mark chapter 4, verses 21 through 34. Brothers and sisters, hear the words of our God. And Jesus said to them, "'Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket?' Or is a lamp brought in to be put under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And Jesus said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. The man sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. The man knows not how. The earth produces by itself First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And Jesus said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? The kingdom of God is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. And with many such parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. Jesus did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples he explained everything. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What good is a secret unless it can be shared? What good is hiding unless you can be found? And what good is a light unless you put it on a stand? Well, these are the kinds of questions that Jesus would have us reflect on as it relates to today's passage. So last month, a good friend of mine and member of our church, she told me that she was pregnant. And it was really early in her pregnancy, so I can't tell anybody, right? And she told me as much. We're not telling people yet. So after congratulating her and telling her how happy I was for her, I literally intentionally have to delete this information from my head. I just have to tell myself that didn't just happen. That's not actually true. And then move on. Otherwise, that secret will just burst out of me. Because what good is having a secret unless it can be shared? Or a few weeks ago, after one day, you know, I'm always trying to find games that work for all four of my kids. I've got sons and daughters, younger and older. And we kind of stumbled into playing hide and seek in the house. And they were all into it. And one time, I hid under my two-year-old's bed, which only has like a six-inch clearance off the ground. So I lift it up, cram myself under there, and the kids can't find me. They are stomping all over the house. You can feel the tension rising as it takes them longer and longer to find me. Where's dad? How can we not find him? So I then start randomly yelling out, crying out from underneath the bed to kind of give them a clue to help them find me, because what good is hiding unless you can be found? Or even right now, there are numerous lights in this room, and each one was deliberately and strategically positioned so as to actually help us see how many of these lights are situated under our seats, how many of these lights are positioned underneath the stage up front. None, right? No, we've got them high on the walls to the side. We've got them anchored in the ceiling above because what good is light unless you put it on a stand? Well, Jesus here is saying, so it is with the message of the kingdom. The good news of God's kingdom coming to earth through Jesus, that good news is meant to be revealed. It's meant to be made known to all people. Because you remember last week that Jesus referred to the message of the kingdom in chapter 4, verse 11. Jesus referred to the message of the kingdom as, quote, the secret of the kingdom of God. Jesus said to his disciples, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. For non-disciples, for those who reject Jesus, the message is hidden in parables because their hearts aren't good soil to receive the gospel. But for those who come to Jesus in humble faith, for those who come to Jesus broken and repentant, in other words, those whose hearts are good soil, for them, they receive the secret of the kingdom of God. But now in today's passage, Jesus wants to be clear. Hey, even though this message is secret, even though this message is hidden and covered to many people, that doesn't mean we keep it to ourselves. Just because there's some soil that isn't ready to receive the Word doesn't mean we don't spread it. Look at what he says in verse 21. He says, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket? Is a lamp brought in to be put under a bed? No, a lamp is brought in to be put on a stand. Because a lamp under a basket, a lamp under a bed... Keeps the lamp from being able to do its job. Instead, we want to maximize the lamp's ability to do its job. Well, so it is with the message of the kingdom. This message, yes, it is veiled and hidden to many, but it matters not. Despite it being veiled, despite it being hidden, we spread this seed, we shine this light, we share this message. Jesus makes the same point in the next verse, verse 22. He says, nothing is hidden except to be made manifest. Nothing is secret except to come to light. So yes, sure, the gospel is hidden to many. Sure, the truth of the gospel remains a secret from many. But as I illustrated earlier, what good is something hidden except to be found? And what good is a secret except to be shared? The hidden gospel must be made manifest. The shrouded gospel must come to the light. Yes, to Jesus' disciples, we have been entrusted with the secret of the kingdom of God. As he said in chapter 4, verse 11, there is truth, friends. There is truth about God. There is truth about salvation and righteousness and hope and love that only we understand. This truth is unperceived by outsiders, and yet we are not called to keep it a secret. We are called to make known the unknown. We're called to uncover what is hidden. We are called to spread the kingdom through sharing the message of the kingdom. And throughout the rest of these verses, Jesus teaches us how. He's going to share a few lessons to help prepare us, to help form us as spreaders of the kingdom message. First, he says, we must understand that deeper leads to greater. He's going to say that deeper leads to greater. Look back at verse 24. Jesus is speaking to his disciples He's encouraging them as spreaders of the kingdom message. And he says to them, pay attention to what you hear. So even though he's encouraging the disciples as speakers and spreaders of the gospel, he once again turns to the matter of hearing. Pay attention to what you hear. You may think he says, pay attention to what you say. But he says, no, 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 you've got to still get this. Disciple, pay attention to what you hear. And this hearing in the context of Mark chapter 4 relates to hearing God's word, hearing the message of the kingdom. He says, make sure, pay attention that you are hearing this message. And this just reinforces for us what we already know, namely that we are hearers of God's word before we can be speakers of God's word. So if we are going to serve the Lord by spreading his kingdom, by sharing his word, we have to most be defined by being hearers of God's word because our mouth can only speak what our ears have first received. And this is why, for example, we reserve such a significant amount of time worshiping God on Sunday mornings, listening to God to God's Word. You all right now are worshiping God by hearing from God's Word. I have a friend from another Christian denomination where their Sunday morning sermons are much, much shorter in length. He's Roman Catholic actually and he complained to me one time after worshiping here like man, CT, the message was so long, longer than some of the lectures I heard in college. Well, maybe sometimes I don't do a a, a great job and the sermon can feel long, but I don't preach as long as I do because I like to hear the sound of my own voice. No, we prioritize the sermon within our corporate worship because of the exact thing Jesus is saying right now. Pay attention to what you hear. As disciples, we are not 1st speakers of God's Word. We are first hearers of God's Word. Our mouth can only speak what our ears first receive. And every Sunday morning, we gather together under God's Word to listen, to pay attention. And look at what happens when we go on paying attention to God's Word. Again, verse 24, Jesus says, pay attention to what you hear with the message you use It will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. So Jesus seems to be saying here that the more we hear from God's word, the more we will get out of God's word. Commenting on this verse, New Testament scholar Tom Wright says, If the disciples grasp what Jesus is saying and go deeper and deeper into it, They will get more and more out of it. In other words, as we said, deeper leads to greater. Deeper understanding of God's word will lead to greater effectiveness in spreading God's word. Patient listening to God's word will lead to greater effectiveness spreading God's word. Think of this in terms of investing. Whenever you invest in a stock, for example, you're given the option to reinvest your dividends. You can also invest more of your money buying more shares as time goes by. But however you do it, the more you invest in that stock, the more you're going to get out of that stock when it rises. The more you invest, the more you profit. The more you put in, the more you get out. Jesus says it's the same with God's word. It's the same with the message of the kingdom. If you want to be a spreader of this message, then make sure you hear, make sure you pay attention to this message. And the more you hear this message, the more you're going to get out of it, the better you'll be able to speak and spread it. Deeper leads to greater. So I must ask, church, how are you ordering your life in order to prioritize paying attention to God's word? How are you ordering your life in order to prioritize hearing God's word? Now, there are many avenues through which we can absorb the message. I mentioned public proclamation earlier, what I'm doing right now. So are you ordering your life so that you can regularly, so that you can corporately worship God by listening to his word with his people on the Lord's day? Or are you letting other Sunday activities crowd out your ability to sit under God's word with God's people? Or what about in your small group, in your life group? Do you have a community of friends? Do you have a set of relationships in your life whereby you routinely open the scriptures together? You routinely talk about God's word together. How are you ordering your life in order to prioritize hearing God's message? Pay attention to what you hear, Jesus says. And if you do, still more will be added to you. To the one who has, more will be given through this multiplier effect. But the opposite is also true, Jesus says. The rest of verse 25. To the one who has... More will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken from him. Jesus says, if you remain superficial with God's word, if you just dabble in God's word and don't devote yourself to it, then not only will you not receive more of it, even what you do have will be taken from you. And we can see this happen across generations. If you have a generation of people who just dabble in Christianity, if you have a generation of parents who remain superficial with God's word, then a generation later their children will have nothing to do with it. Even what they did have will be taken from them. Church, we don't want what we have to be taken from us. We want what we have in the gospel to be spread from us. And so we must, as the Lord says, pay attention to what you hear. Deeper and deeper grasp of God's word leads to greater and greater spread of God's word, of God's kingdom. Because our mouth can only speak what our ears first receive. So Jesus is giving a few lessons to help prepare us, to help form us as spreaders of the kingdom message. First, he says, deeper leads to greater. Next, he says, faithfulness leads to fruitfulness. Faithfulness leads to fruitfulness. Listen once more back at verse 26. Jesus shares another parable about seed sowing. He's once again comparing spreading the message to spreading seed. He says, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. So this farmer or this gardener faithfully does his job. He plants the seed, and then he goes to sleep. And what do you know? Almost like magic. The seed sprouts, the sprout grows. Verse 28, the earth by itself produces the blade, then the ear, then the full grain. And Jesus even notes at the end of verse 27 that the farmer doesn't even know how this process happens. Like I said, it's almost magic as far as he's concerned. He just scatters the seed, goes to bed, and voila! Corn is created. Fruit is produced. He simply does his job. He's faithful to the task of seed sowing, and then the earth does its thing. The earth does its magic, producing fruit, eventually a harvest. Brothers and sisters, such is our task in spreading the seed of the gospel. In one sense, God does not call us to convert people to Christ. We can't make someone a Christian any more than we can make a dead person come to life. Only God. Only God, by the Holy Spirit, can convert someone to Christ. Our task is not to convert them to Christ. Instead, our task is to spread the message of Christ through which God converts them. That seed-sowing farmer didn't make that seed grow. Jesus says he didn't even know how it happens. Instead, what did the farmer do? After he completed his job of sowing seed, he went to sleep. He didn't make that seed grow any more than we make someone a Christian. He sowed the seed and went to bed, and so it is for us. We faithfully sow the seed of the word into others' lives, and then we rest. And then we trust God to do his own work in his own time, bearing fruit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, And as he had to often do with the Corinthian Christians, Paul is rebuking them. He's rebuking them for over-identifying with human teachers. You may remember from reading this letter, some of the Corinthian Christians said, I am of Paul. Others said, I am of Peter. Others said, I am of Apollos. The Corinthian church was really making much of these different teachers, which one they liked the most. And Paul rebukes them for elevating human teachers like this. And so he says in verses 5 through 7, what is Apollos? What is Paul even? We are mere servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. Yes, I planted. Yes, Apollos watered. But God gave the growth. So neither he who waters or plants is anything. We are nothing. Only God gives the growth." End quote. This is almost the exact lesson that Jesus is teaching in Mark chapter 4. As spreaders of God's word, we are not responsible for the results of our gospel sharing. Instead, we are simply responsible to share the gospel, to spread the seed. Only God gives growth, the apostle says. We scatter the seed, we go to bed. And we wait for God to do his thing, to do his magic, giving growth where there was a hard heart, giving life where there was a dead spirit. Only God gives the growth. So Christian, who has God called you to plant the seed of the gospel into? Who has God called you to plant the seed of the gospel into? Or what area of your life has God called you to scatter the truth of his word? Your home, your friendship circles, your hobby partners, your workplace relationships. What Jesus is saying here is know your role. Know your role, know God's role. Your role is to faithfully share about Jesus, and God's role is to powerfully use your sharing about Jesus to bear fruit in the hearer's life. Sow the seed and go to sleep. There's no need for you to worry about how your hearer will respond. Sow the seed and go to sleep, peacefully resting your head, trusting God's power to work in God's timing in the lives of those you share with, you just be faithful to the message. Share about how Jesus lived the life that you and I should have lived. Share about his perfect life of righteousness. Share about how Jesus then died the death. You and I deserve share about how he suffered God's judgment on the cross. And then share about how he rose from the grave, triumphing over sin, Satan, death, and hell. And share about how Jesus calls all people everywhere to repent of their sin and trust in him. And there it is. You share those few things and your job is done, so to speak. You can now wait on the Lord like a farmer waits on the harvest. How can we effectively share the message of God's kingdom? Jesus is sharing a few messages, a few lessons to help us carry out this task well. He says, understand deeper leads to greater, understand faithfulness leads to fruitfulness, and finally, understand small leads to expansive. Small leads to expansive. So Jesus here shares a final parable about the kingdom. He shares a final parable about sharing the message of the kingdom. Listen again to verses 30 and 32. Jesus says, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds of the earth. So sometimes when we want to refer to someone as small, we refer to them as a shrimp. Like, oh, he's tiny. He's a shrimp. Now, I don't know why we pick on the animal shrimp like this. There are actually smaller sea creatures than shrimp. But calling someone a shrimp is just a proverbial way of saying something or someone is very small. Well, so it was in Jesus' day with a mustard seed. A mustard seed is about two millimeters in diameter, so it is really small. It is not the literal smallest seed. There are smaller, but kind of like shrimp, just for whatever reason, a mustard symbol was like the symbol of smallest, of small in in Jesus' day. And Jesus here says, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed or to help us feel the impact, the kingdom of God is like a shrimp. It's like, really, <laughs> Jesus? <laughs> okay. I thought the kingdom of God would be like a warhorse, or the kingdom of God would be like a huge castle, or the kingdom of God would be like a powerful politician. I don't know, you know, something impressive, something stunning, something big, right? Jesus says, no. The kingdom of God... Is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of God is not right now necessarily impressive. The kingdom of God is not right now necessarily stunning. The kingdom of God is not right now necessarily big. And this is a point I think that we especially need to appreciate. We live in, some, in, in what some have referred to as a celebrity culture celebrity culture. And here's how one sociologist defined a celebrity culture. He says, quote, Celebrity culture is characterized by a pervasive preoccupation with famous persons and an extravagant value attached to the lives of public figures whose actual accomplishments may be limited but whose visibility is extensive. Let me say that again because this is where we live. Quote Celebrity culture is characterized by a pervasive preoccupation with famous persons and an extravagant value attached to the lives of public figures whose actual accomplishments may be limited, but whose visibility is extensive. Right now, the latest example of this is Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey's supposed romance. A huge part of our population is enraptured with this new coupling. Because as the sociologist said, there is this pervasive preoccupation with famous people. There is this Pervasive preoccupation with impressive people, with stunning people, with power couples, with influencers. And we in the church can equally get caught up in this fascination with fame and celebrity. Our pastors need to be entertainers. Our crowds need to be huge. Our leadership needs to be executive and professional and polished. Meanwhile, Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a shrimpy mustard seed. The eternal, heavenly, divine kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. In other words, right now, it is not necessarily the most impressive thing from an earthly perspective. Let me give you some other examples of this. The kingdom of God is like you sitting down for lunch with a friend to tell them about Jesus and why he's so important to you. There's nothing crazy mind blowing about that. It's what the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is like you and your life group meeting together regularly to study the Bible, to pray together, to serve your community. That is not going to make headlines in the Detroit Free Press. That's what the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is like 8 a.m. this morning, half a dozen church members meeting upstairs to pray for our services and ministries today. That is not even going to garner a social media post from anybody. But such is the kingdom of God. It is like a mustard seed. It is unimpressive, unremarkable to the naked eye. And here's the premier example of this. The kingdom of God is like a cross. The kingdom of God is like a master sacrificially laying down his life on behalf of his rebellious servants. That's the chief example of the unimpressive nature of the kingdom of God, the cross of Christ. Those who saw Jesus crucified mocked him. Those who saw Jesus crucified made fun of him and ridiculed him. He's the king of the Jews? That's ridiculous. Look at him. What kind of king gets crucified? Kings are stately and powerful and awesome. They are not willingly pierced through. But again, such is the kingdom of God. It is like a mustard seed. It's this unimpressive thing that eventually accomplishes Great purposes. Listen to what else Jesus says in our final verses. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. The smallest, most unimpressive of the seeds of the earth. Verse 32. Yet. When the seed is sown, it grows and becomes larger than all the garden plants. And it puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. You see... All the powerful, impressive, massive things that we put so much stock in. All the powerful, impressive, massive things that we put so much stock in. Celebrities, money, influence. All those things are going to get swept into the ash heap of eternity. We're probably going to forget about Travis and Taylor before the year's over. But all of it eventually is going to get swept into the ash heap of eternity. All the kingdoms of the earth, all the polished politicians, all the money you could ever earn, all the fame you could ever receive, it is all going to be swept into the ash heap of eternity and long forgotten. But the humble seed of the gospel grows. The humble seed of the gospel puts out large branches that bear fruit and last. And so it was for the cross of Christ. At the time it occurred, the cross was humiliating. At the time it occurred, the cross was terrible. But how we glory in the cross now. This, the power of the cross the son of god slain for us at the time the cross was terrible and humiliating but now to us it's precious the cross is so precious some of you guys have it inked into your skin some of you guys have them hanging in your and cro- your house to decorate your house to make your house prettier you hang the cross Because now the cross is not a humble seed. The cross is the means of our redemption. The cross is the way we're saved. The cross where Jesus died, we find life. And if you're here this morning and you have not placed your faith in the mustard seed of the gospel, if you have not placed your faith in the good news of Jesus' death, I want to urge you to do that now. All Jesus requires of you to benefit from his death on the cross is to trust in him. Make Jesus the center of your life. Turn away from trying to find life in the impressive. Turn away from trying to find life in the awesome. Turn away from trying to find life in the powerful things of the world. And instead, find life in the power of the cross. Find hope in his resurrection. And he will receive you. He will bear fruit in your life, fruit that counts for eternity, not the stuff that gets swept into the ash heap. You'll have purpose like you never knew. And for us, brothers and sisters, let's not get caught up in worldly schemes to spread this message. Brothers and sisters, let's not get caught up in worldly leaders to spread this message. We don't need them. As gifted as some leaders may be, as awesome of speakers they may be, we do not need worldly leaders to spread God's word. We do not need attractional ministries to grow our church. Instead, we are called to simply uncover the truth of the gospel. For all who will hear us, we are called to sow the seed of the gospel and trust the power of God to give life. We are called to rely on the humble means of God's spoken word to transform lives and build this church. And God is going to do it. God's kingdom is going to grow and there's going to be a harvest of souls, Jesus says. God's kingdom is going to grow and it's going to be a worldwide blessing for all peoples and church. We get to participate in this movement. So pay attention to what you hear, church, lest what we have be taken from us. Pay attention to what you hear, church, so that this gospel word would fill our ears, saturate our hearts, and then pour forth from our mouths so that God's kingdom may grow I pray it be so for our neighborhoods and for the nations in the name of the Father, Son